Hey, everybody. This is Driven By, and I am Sam Coates. On this podcast, you're going to hear experiences, lessons, insights, and the drivers behind why my guests have built what they have built and how this applies to what drives you. It's great to have you listening to this show. For more episodes and more information, go to podcast.sampcoats.com or check out this podcast on every major platform app. This week's episode is going to have a different twist to it than the previous week's. A few days ago, an article came out where JP Morgan, one of the largest banks in the world, told a portion of their staff that they must come back to the office. This report said that through internal data, they saw decreased productivity on Mondays and Fridays and worries that remote work is not a substitute for organic interaction and that it creates missed learning opportunities for younger people. This got me thinking about previous episodes that we've had on this podcast where COVID-19, relationships, work from home, development, engagement, and community have come up during each of these conversations. I thought it would be helpful to publish one episode with combined clips where this topic was spoken to directly and the overall themes are exposed. It's fascinating to think about all the technological advances that we have today and what's ahead for our world, but how some things don't change our need for community, relationships, motivation, connection, and more. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hey, everybody. I'll just make this easy. Do you need insurance? Do you want another opinion about your insurance? Just go ahead and call Matt Haga with State Farm. It'll be easy. If you're thinking about it, just do it. We do have listeners to this show from all over the world, so this offers only for listeners in the state of Tennessee and Mississippi in the United States. Matt Haga State Farm offers auto, home, renters, business, and life insurance. Go to madhaga.com. That's M-A-T-T-H-A-A-G-A.com and contact them. When you contact Matt, tell him I sent you. Now more than ever, it is harder to fly. That's why you need to know of AB Jets. If you want to be efficient with your time, and fly with one of the safest private air companies in the world, then you need to use AB Jets. AB Jets has received the prestigious Argus Platinum rating the last eight consecutive years, which goes to less than 5% of operators in the world. AB Jets is one of the largest Lear 60 jet companies in the United States, with nonstop access to most destinations around the U.S. Efficient, clean, and easy to work with, AB Jets is an experience that gets you where you need to go on time and with no hassle. Go to abjets.com for more information and book your trip today or call them at 888-520-JETS. That's J-E-T-S. Now we're going to get back to the show. The first segment of this episode is with Larry Jensen. Larry is the chairman of Cushman Wakefield's Commercial Advisors out of Memphis, Tennessee. Larry has been in commercial real estate for close to 40 years. Larry approaches this topic as a chairman of an organization, but also as a veteran in commercial real estate and how commercial office space affects his organization and their clients. From a workplace behavior standpoint, which I guess this is obviously going to drive the demand for office space and the amount of expense that's allocated, not just here, but all around the country or other parts of the world. 
But how do you see the workforce in general, specifically office workers, how do you see that evolving with COVID and what actually needs to be done in person? And then what can be done through home offices, maybe through an expense allowance? I think there are several factors there. The big question mark that I have, and I think a lot of people do, is what happens to mentoring and culture and training in a digital business environment? What's the value of walking down the hall to a senior guy, young person walking in and saying, hey, I'm thinking about this or here's a problem. Can we just talk? I think it's going to be, it's challenging to me to create company culture in a digital environment. And that's because there's an absence of place. You and I are talking electronically right now, but it's not like a place. And a place is a part of who we are as human beings and coming together in a place to me is important. And I think CEOs are wrestling with this. I had one tell me, oh, 30 days ago, he said, I'm really concerned about my young people, you know, is 20-somethings. How do they learn the company culture? How do they learn who we are? They graduate from college and next thing you know, their whole business is done on the screen. I think there's some real challenges there. And not to be diminished by the efficiency totally of this, but, you know, I think it's awful hard to have a business and grow a business without having people come together and get to know each other and be on a team and, you know, what that means, the dynamics of, of a team solution that comes out of conversation. I mean, I, I think that's missing right now. And I think it'll continue to be a, a shortfall from a digital office world. Although I do think that it's a part of the future. On just a daily basis, and I know this would look different throughout different times throughout your career, but let's say you hired a, you know, a VP and let's say that VP had a team under him and, and they had folks under them. How many times do you think throughout the day would that VP have somebody come into their office or want to speak with them about discussing a problem or discussing an issue where the, this type of mentoring, conversation, problem solving, impromptu, in-person communication, how many times do you see something like that happen a day that's not unnecessary, that's actually fruitful and helpful and important to the individual and to the company? I think it's constant, you know, do a number on a daily basis, you know, once an hour, somebody would stick their head in and say, hey, I'm thinking about this or you the conversation around the coffee pot in the morning, around lunch at the table in the in the conference room. So it's constant and that's gone. I mean, that pretty much that's absent right now. And it, to me, it has a lot of value. It's awful hard on a flat screen to to get body language and the value of being in a room with several people and interacting and good solutions come out of that kind of environment. And it's, I think it's hard to replicate on a, in a digital format. I have a friend who is a developer and then he ended up running the technology for a very well-known startup. And he told me that all the people working under his team and that he hired, they're all programmers, engineers, and they're all from all over the country. And he was in a different city than the main two offices of this company. And he said that it was never an issue and that he would have to go to those two offices occasionally and have meetings. But I'm curious if you think that certain roles, if it's more programming, 
technology development, et cetera, that it might be easier to make a shift, something like this. But if it's more mentoring or more possibly like obviously operational, or do you see a distinction between the two and maybe how certain sectors or certain types of responsibilities where some might be able to make that shift and it'd be fine and there might be a lot of cost savings, there might be a lot of time savings, et cetera, but then other things, it might have more consequences. Yeah, I think that's the case. I mean, there are some things that don't require interaction necessarily, but I, I mean, I, I see what you're saying, but I, again, I think there's just, how do you value a company culture? How do you learn to value each other in a way that can create a culture in a company that aligns with the culture in other businesses. I mean, there are a lot of people that can do what I do. Uh, we've sold culture on a number. I can think of one case in particular where we got a significant piece of business because our cultures matched. Well, how do I get that culture trained into people if we never see each other? You know, we can put it out and, you know, electronically and say, this is what, you know, our values are. But there's just something that happens in relationships that it seems awful challenging to me to build the kind of team relationships that you need for certain kinds of businesses without being in the same room with each other. It seems to me to be very challenging. Would you agree with when COVID, since it's happened and we're, you know, really started to take effect mid-March, late March, and now we're mid-July, that it was such a shock, it was such an awe that a lot of cultures, it just people survived or adapted or moved very quickly. But I'm curious if things go, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine months, that that's where you're going to start seeing potentially some of the cultural effects. It's hard for me to put a time frame on it. And there are some businesses that lend themselves to that. That customer service might be one of those as long as there's significant enough communication. That might be one. But if you've got a team that's putting together a, uh, I'm, I'm using an extreme example, but they're putting together a hydroelectric dam, there's something to be in the room there to make sure that the concrete's going in right and that the parts of it are, you know, and I just think that's challenging. Uh, construction, just there's so many things that are done in the field. You look at a set of plans, well, that isn't necessarily the plans you're using and you follow them. But there are field decisions that have to be made, the circumstances, and it's awful hard in my mind to do that and do it. Well, let me say it the other way. It seems more effective to have to get in the room and say problem solving. I think wherever there's problem solving, that there's going to be something missing if we don't have people together in a format other than electronic or digital or whatever. I just think there's a value to problem solving and creativity that occurs when people get in a room together. What do you think differentiates a lot of corporate companies or organizations that you've referenced versus a company like Nationwide? And I pulled a quote from their CEO, Kurt Walker, and he said, we've been investing in our tech capabilities for years and those investments have paid off and we needed to transition very quickly to a 98% work from home model our associates and technology team have proven to us that we can serve our members and partners with extraordinary care with a large portion of our team working from home. I'd love to know in those companies you just mentioned, if their C-suite people are all working from home, are their R&D people are working from home? You know, my guess is that they're probably 
the C-suites in that office, you know, because there's enough stuff going on that they've got to talk to each other. But then the application down the line may well, it may well work. I mean, that's part of the, the question. I had a New York CEO tell me, he said, I don't know why we need to be here, you know, and he was talking about some of the operations could be elsewhere. Perhaps, I don't know what he was talking about, but, but the very question is, is that why do we need to be in, a, in an office? And I think the answer is some of them don't need to be in office, but it doesn't eliminate the need for office. I think you're going to have people who are going to need to be in a, an environment. I mean, up here in our office right now, we, can, we got 38 people or 40, whatever the number, and, and the, it's generally five or six people that are up here right now. And, you know, the accounting people are all doing well at home. I mean, so I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I don't know what's going to happen. And I think that's what I've heard is a wait and see. You know, let's wait and see what happens. And I think that wait and see is going to be 6 to 12 to 18 months out. So you well could have a lot of people that they never require people to come back to the office, which – I, I, I worked home, you know, 90, 120 days, whatever it was. And I, I want to be back. <laughs> I need to get up and get dressed and, <laughs> you know, cause I get lazy and at home and kind of work a little while and then go kick around. I, I just couldn't, my focus, uh, maybe that's my age or something, but I just, I like being in an office because it causes me to focus. And when I walk out the door, I leave it behind me, but I don't know that that's what I'm saying. I don't know the answer to that question. And I think it's, it, from what I've heard, clearly heard from CEOs, bank presidents, so on and so on, is wait and see. I think that's really the answer for right now is nobody knows and we're just going to have to sit and wait and see what happens. So it sounds like what you're saying, what, what you're seeing and what you're hearing and kind of what you're a part of is just kind of hold the line approach and see how things evolve and trying to keep things as tight right now as possible and then see how things play out over the next 6, 12 months, 18 months. Yeah, and I think, if you know, what happens, just a hypothetical, what happens if there is a vaccine? What does that look like? What impact does that have? I mean, I think people would probably start thinking about going back to work, but there may be some people who never, because of what they do, are never going to go back to the office. One of the things that I think is interesting that you've touched on, I heard this from Dr. Rudd, University of Memphis, and he was talking about his plans for U of M Global, and he talked about some of the retention challenges that they are putting things in place and working on is what I felt like I heard him say was just the human component, the relational connection that you've talked about in the Mm -hmm. office. And from an educational standpoint, it doesn't seem that different than from a work standpoint, from a relationship standpoint, from an educational standpoint that human connection that can help with questions, it can help with connection, it can help with motivation and encouragement to drive retention mm-hmm. and, and engagement. And I've heard friends of mine that have a lot of responsibility with well-known corporate companies, and they talk about how their workdays right now are 60% of what they were prior to COVID because COVID and how we have adjusted has eliminated a lot of unnecessary meetings. But I think from a long-term standpoint, it's interesting to hear about what you're talking about 
but then also think about the things that we need as humans to actually thrive and to grow. And there seems to be some difficulty with that if we just go to a completely remote model and and don't have that human engagement piece. I agree with that. I mean, that's kind of my my premise and my unknown question is, you know, we're working on a project right now that we submitted recently to a company to help them on a project. And we put it together and the marketing people, we never, (laughs) it was all remote. And I don't know, it just seems it would have been better if we'd sat down and run through something and, you know, talked about it. And what about this? And, And you can do that in a digital communication format, but personally, there's just something missing. And I think that is the interaction that body language, what's the percentage of our communication is body language. It's hard, you know, to communicate body language-wise on a flat screen. I mean, I guess you can get some of it, but it just doesn't seem the same. And again, I, I come back to my answer is I don't have an answer. It's a wait and see. And it probably will end up, frankly, as a hybrid of all of it. You know, you're going to have some people that are going to be want to be back in the office. You're going to have others that are going to, you know, they're not going to. They can, they can get their job done and maybe they don't come back. And that's okay. But I think right now we're, we're, we're looking at what the possibilities are. Right. You know, a, B, or C. And what combination of A, B, and C is that going to look like going forward? And I don't think anybody can answer that question right now. The next segment of this episode is with Tom Cadian from episode number 15. Tom served 39 years with the largest paper and pulp company in the world, International Paper. Afterwards, Tom took over U of M Ventures, which is a student-based company at the University of Memphis, which offers call services to give college students economic opportunity while gaining real-world experience. Tom is now the chairman of the board of this organization. Can you talk a little bit about maybe the next 10 or 15 years from a work from home perspective? Do you see any lasting change because of COVID, like jumpstarting anything happening? And if so, what does that look like to you? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had some conversations with folks about what will this create in terms of going forward. So as an example, we've got 200 student employees working from home right now. And by the looks of it, our productivity has not suffered. And our, we're still getting good feedback from our customers. So it's easy to say, well, we could do this. And why am I paying $30,000 a month in rent? I can just have everybody work home. I, I also think there's a, a but in all of that. You know, we're in, the, we're in the first inning of a nine-inning baseball game here. We haven't gone through, we've gone through a quarter working from home, not even a year not a budget. We haven't set a budget or missed a budget yet. And, you know, I think some of what we are missing is the personal interaction and the coaching opportunities. So I don't think, I mean, I know I'm not uh, interacting with my management team uh, on the same frequency that I was uh, in February or January. Now, in some cases, yeah, that frees up time, but I, I don't think there's, there's zero cost uh, associated with 
you know, working remotely. I think there's missed opportunities for coaching, for counseling, for getting different opinions. And, and some of it, I just don't think we know yet. Now, that said, what you said is right. I mean, I lived in, in a big corporate enterprise or what you know, we had quarterly meetings and we had meetings because we've always had these meetings. And, and I suspect that a lot of that uh, has gone away as it should have. Now, it might creep back if everybody goes back to the office. I don't know. But I think somewhere in between is what's right. But I also think it's early to call it. And I think uh, maybe I'm old school, but I, I miss the interaction with the people that I work with. Zoom is nice, and you look nice, and your office <laughs> looks interesting. But I like the uh, the personal interaction. I think it made me a better leader when I could walk out into my facility. I mean, not just the people, my assistant or the or the people on my floor, but wander, you know, walk, leading by wandering around and and going out into a facility and interacting with the people who are making products or maintaining equipment. Can't do all that now either. And I think that that helps create, it creates unity and a, a common purpose. And I don't know that Zoom's just gonna replace that overnight. Do you wanna make efficient use with your time? Now more than ever, traveling hassle-free is harder to find. AB Jets is one of the safest private air companies in the world with impeccable service with nonstop access to most destinations around the USA. AB Jets has received the prestigious Argus Platinum rating the last eight consecutive years, which goes to less than 5% of operators in the world. Bypass the hassle and get an AB Jets jet card. It gets you 10 or 25 hour flight options that makes your experience hassle-free. AB Jets carries up to eight passengers and is one of the largest Lear 60 operators in the U.S. Go to abjets.com for more information or call them at 888-520-JETS, that's J-E-T-S, to travel on your own terms. This segment is with Dr. David Rudd, the president of the University of Memphis from episode four. In this segment, Dr. Rudd is talking about lessons learned and enhancements they are doing to their online program. If you remember from this episode, Dr. Rudd wants to double the student enrollment of the university while keeping costs the same. The global online university is the foundation in making this happen. From a human needs perspective, and thinking about online education, U of M Global University, how would you teach or talk about transitioning more to an online learning education through monitor recorded classes, et cetera, versus the kind of human experience of the emotional side of it and being, being in the classroom, et cetera. How does it just affect different students depending on how they learn best? And then how do you see that being a factor with the plans and priorities of U of M Global University? I think there are a couple of things. One is that this COVID-19 has taught us that people really want to have contact with other people. A lot of the face-to-face -face and interpersonal interaction, informal interaction is a critical piece of the experience. People may not have recognized and understood how profound that was, they do now. And two, you can build that in at some level online, but not entirely. 
And so we have worked, actually, we moved all of our support services to virtual environment. So not just courses, we moved health services, we moved advising services. And I, I will share with you that our advising utilization has never been higher. It's actually the highest it's been. And a part of that is access, that, that the fact that we didn't have it online limited access because students had to get off work. They had to travel. They had to do other things that took inordinate amounts of time. So we're going to do, one of the lessons we've learned is we're going to keep some advising services online after this is over. And so we, I think, have learned on both ends that human contact is critical. People need to have contact with one another. But there are things we can transition online for support that really help students. They have a lot of demands or working excessive hours and need to have access simplified. So what you're saying is you're providing the relational and the communal aspect of online counseling, et cetera, advising, and that's kind of the other piece that will really help retention and progress and growth for the student. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. I, and, and it's a unique variant of how we do what we do online. I think that's a critical part. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you like the show, please rate it and leave a review. Also, I have a weekly newsletter that comes out each week with the new episode, show notes, and more. You can sign up for this newsletter at podcast.sampcoats.com. Have a great day.